This is the SOTAG podcast. SOTAG, servants of the Almighty God. We embrace knowledge, truth, love, and the brotherhood of mankind. I wanted to take a, a little time and talk about my journey to being or as a SOTAG. Just in case people wonder, but who is this dude? What is this dude about? And what, you know, where did he come from? So, uh, I mean, you can skip this, or <laughs> if you wanted to know, here it is. Okay, I can uh, give you some a little bit about myself. So I grew up like really, really poor, real poor. I mean, I remember going to school, barely enough to eat, and walking miles barefoot. But the one thing that was amazing was, you know, I always got things really, really quickly. I can remember in first grade, you know, going to school with my, I think I had shoes in first grade, I mean, I was all, but there was this guy that was helping, and the teacher asked me, the teacher, you know, because I kind of got, you know, I was kind of head of the class, so she said, you know, put me in a corner with him and had me teaching this guy. And so, you know, you had this, you know, really, as I was this kid that, you know, I didn't think of myself as bright or anything. I just got stuff. You know, you tell me once, twice, and I remember, or I can figure it out. You know, I would ask a lot of questions. That was one of the things that I got in trouble with. I, maybe I did ask too many questions, but I was, you know, a student. I want to learn. And... One of the things that I remember, it, it's that I, there were some things that people, you know, everyone else seemed to have that I didn't have maybe at the same height and level. Actually, there were two things. It was hate. I never did hate anyone. I can't feel it. I just don't, I just don't feel it. The other thing is fear. You know, and I can remember when I was really young, I remember hanging out under this house, and there was this wasp nest. And someone told me that you know, if I go, if I would crush that wasp nest with all those wasps on it, they'd give me like ten cents. And I guess they, because they knew that I was a little bit, you know, I, fear wasn't there, so you know maybe I was a little bit crazy. And I did. I went up to that wasp nest, man, and I put my hand up and I crushed them. One got me. This is this big red kind of, they call him the red Jack Spaniard or something like that. It was big. But I got my 10 cents, and I could buy a lot of, I think it was, you know, crackers or whatever it is they had in the store. I think they were called some kind of, it was this, these little um, sweets, you know, that you can buy. I think it was like three for a penny or something like that. You know, but I got my 10 cents. So fear was not one of the things that, you know, where I hear, nowadays I hear people, you know, this is so scary, this, no, that was, it just doesn't happen. I, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of different in that sense. And I don't feel hate. I may stay away from certain things because I realize, hey, that, that, that stuff is not good for me, you know. So I grew up and, you know, going to, I went to church and I learned you know, I was good at learning the, the scriptures and that type of stuff when I was very young, and they thought that, well, you, 
this, this guy looks like he may headed down that certain path. But you know what happens. The themes happen. And I became really rebellious. Mostly because I question everything. And when things don't make sense to me, I question it. And that can have you really be ostracized because it's like, why do you have to question everything? Well, it's my nature. I want to know. And if anything doesn't make sense, you know, and you may be speaking and, I, and I'm spinning it around two, three different ways. And I'm like, well, what about this? You know. So as a teenager, plus having friends who, you know, teenagers is what we do. We go crazy, right? And that's when I had that first experience where I went, again, I didn't have that fear thing, right? So I would do things by myself. I can go going, you know, in the bush hunting or whatever, you know, by myself. People like you were in the, yeah, yeah, it doesn't bother me. And you had all these things that, you know, people think about spirits, and I'm like, no, that never bothered me. And that's when I had that experience where I went fishing by myself. I had like, you know, a couple cigarettes, and I've written about it where, you know, I, I was smoking, and I was about 13, 14, something like that. And it's, I felt that terminal breath because I, I couldn't catch my breath. I, cu I just couldn't catch my breath. And I remember, you know, I collapsed. And that's when I went to this place where it was light and I, I, heard I didn't see anyone. But it felt very warm. There was this warm feeling that was just wonderful. And I heard the, the voices, and my people were like saying, well, you know, let's go welcome him. He's already here. And that voice that said, no, because no one knows where he is, and his work is not done. And I was a kid. I didn't understand any of that stuff. You know, and they said again, well, but he's already here. And the voice said, no, because you know, no one knows where he is, and his work is not done. And I found myself, you know, on the floor, and you get this disoriented feeling of, you know, it's like you're sort of dizzy, and and I got up, kind of, you know, all dizzy, and kind of dusted all the, the the grass and stuff off me, and headed back, you know, home. But I did not want to be here because that feeling I had, and I I knew at that time somehow that that warmth I felt on my skin, it wasn't air, it was love. It was like you're in an envelope of love. It was an amazing thing. And I, d I didn't want to be here. And as a kid, you know, you think about, can I, how can I go back? But you know you can't because something says, you know, I don't know why he said it, no one knows where he is. But it also said, and his work is not done. So again, as a kid, you know, that feeling never left. And I guess that even made the fear of, you know, of things just going to go even, it made it even less because I was like, yeah, I can always go. I mean, it's time to go back. I don't have a problem with that. But as a kid, I went off and then I eventually drifted back into being a teenager, doing crazy stuff. And I mean, lots of crazy stuff. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, riding motorcycles and tearing up myself, you know, my whole left side gone and, you know, gravel embedded <laughs> in from the knee, the elbow, 
by my ribs and all that stuff because that's what you know you towards a teenager age 17 18 19 that's what you did you know and i had drifted back into just being normal you know crazy as hell but no no fear not a whole lot of fear no hate just kind of living until there was a time you know i remember i was working in this refinery and this refinery did everything i mean it it we made it, we got our own drinking water from the ground purified it you know i know about aeration of the water and then the chlorination and you know we had this settling tanks so with a with flux and all that kind of stuff to make we also had you know low pressure and high pressure boilers and you know you had to have different tds and all that type of stuff so i worked on that side on the utility side then in i worked on the crude distiller you know and i say you know if you take crude and you distill it and you take up the different distillates at different temperatures and you make different things i worked on a platformer which takes you know straight chain hydrocarbons and make their round chains take out and and the byproduct is, is hydrogen that we you know put into the tank and these huge cylinders and sold and all that stuff i and worked on a on the bitumen plant which is the bottom stuff that comes off the crude goes onto this bitumen you blow air through it and you check the hardness and so i spent you know years doing that stuff i worked on all the plants and after working on all the plants i was actually in the control room kind of like training to be a supervisor because it, you know it didn't help out that in any plant because we even generated our own electricity i worked on that the boilers and we had you know high pressure low pressure boilers and we had these um turbine generators and i worked on the i even worked on the switchboard controlling so when they set a big pump and the frequencies are dropping you had to put some more steam on the boiler get this frequency up and so i did all of that stuff i worked everywhere in the refinery i was in a control room and this one you know one night i remember you know calling this guy and we heard the sound <laughs> and when you work in a refinery you don't want to hear that that is bad and yet this guy i come by the big door and control open and said help me help me and collapse third degree burns over like 90% of his body and i decided at that time i'm going to go study computers because if something goes bad you know a bug in a program i didn't even know anything about computers then but i decided well because i'd already seen a guy you know a pump had a, a little spray one this bottom this pump with this heavy like crude stuff that um was going normally goes on to bit make bitumen there's a pump with a pinhole and it cooked his leg and that type of stuff so i decided well i'm going to go into computers and even that this totally new field it was just like wow because i started doing music and music at night and computers during <laughs> during the day and i was in the top you know four or five in the class even though i didn't have that time to study so he gave me this this gift you know where i can just grasp anything and and just run with it so i was doing music and doing computers and how you can do all this stuff and even when i you know come landing in new york and he said well you know i'm going to be the next star you know so i'm going to and i hitchhiked hitchhiked to la you know got out there and then ended up homeless because when you get there it's like oh i don't know anybody out here so you end up homeless i ended up down on skid row living in transition house down up close to san pedro up there um, by the bus terminal down there spent years down there but 
all of this stuff, and especially that period, because it taught me some things that I always assumed that everyone was like me, and I think that's a normal human, and I think of it as almost like a weakness. We project into others who we are. So for me, it was like everything is going to be easy. I mean, everybody, go every, everybody is aspiring. Everybody learns easily. And I found out, no, people struggle with certain things. But it was because I had this experience where you talk with people down on Skid Row. We were living there. We're homeless, right? We're just in this homeless shelter. And I remember distinctly uh, there was this one dude and, and this older gentleman that uh, we're talking about, oh, yeah, when we get out of here and we're going to start make it out of here. And this big dude, man, he got got some short order cook thing. This dude got so stoned, it was amazing. Well, they rolled him. They just like, you know, rolled his stuff up and got him out of there. And it wasn't like weeks later. This 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 older dude, we call I called him Pops. I ran into him on that street past the when you pass the police station going down towards the transition house. He had a big old Bowie knife. He did not recognize me. He was so stoned. And, you know, I had to face him up barehanded. And, you know, it's one of those things where <laughs> you just kind of face him and you're like, nope, you know. And if he moves, you got you to gotta do what you got to do. But, you know, it happened and we just kind of swore at each other and stuff. I didn't have any money that he was trying to, you know, give me some effing money and all this stuff. And I just told him to F off. And, and you know, we kind of faced off for a while and then backed away from each other. And, but it taught me that it was the first time I realized people are different. I mean, they'll say things and, you know, they say all the good stories. But it's their works. Because both of those people, they said all the right things. And it's interesting, though, because for me, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned. And it also taught me about being being among, you know, those I think that the Son of Man would have spent time with, trying to redeem, you know, trying to, to, to these are the sheep that, that have wandered off, you know. And I remember one day talking with this guy, and I was, you know, and now I was doing my software engineering consulting stuff, and I ran into this guy who, he was talking about how tough things were. And I said, man, you know, I've been there. And he's like, you? I'm like, yeah, I lived on. And he's like, you lived on Skid Row, man? I'm like, yeah, I lived on Skid Row. And I started telling the stories. And he's like, man. you know. But it's one of those things. By being from the very, very bottom. And, you know, I've done a lot of things. Okay, I'm a software engineer. I, I worked on a lot, you know, just about every platform as, you know, front-end, back-end, database administrator. I love, I grew up loving science, and I love software engineering to solve problems. But now I realize that regardless of how, quote-unquote, unsuccessful we are, there are many people that, as individuals, part of the building of who we are and let me let me first get to this. It's like when I was was living in Branch Cucamonga, spending spending I guess I guess most of my life there. There was a time. This is after I had been on Skid Row. I established myself and I bought a house.
notes and all this stuff. You know, with his blessings, I was able to get all these things. But there was a time when I felt the need. I felt this need. Something pulled me. You know, I, I wanted some something more than just you know working and being this computer dude. And I started going to church. And there was this wonderful church where I could feel that the pastor there was called or chosen because he started from his house with this passion. You can feel the passion. You can feel the goodness of this man. And I remember he had the altar call and all this stuff. And I was, I was, I was there. And I, it felt so good. I think right now he has a school and he has a massive church out in Romango. But there was something missing. Not that bad. There was something for me that was missing. And that's when I decided, okay, I have to go. Because I had spent a lot of time reading that, you know, I read the whole New Testament. I read basically almost the Bible. You know, I spent a lot of time reading from the, I mean, the, the New Testament cover to cover and spent a lot of time going over things. And I thought, you know, the one of the teachings is, you know, when you're facing challenges, and I felt this need, and there was something more I needed, I started fasting, fasting and praying. And when I fast, I only have water. And so I would fast for three days, five days, and all I have is water. And seven days, I would do a seven-day fast. And, I, you know, that's when I was going to work, and this guy was like, man, I never see you eating. And I told him, I says, man, I'm fasting. And he said, man, even people in prison eat better than that. Yeah, so many benefits because I know the first day you're hungry, the second day you're hungry, but the third day hunger goes away. You feel weak, and then you can just go. You can go for. I mean, I've gone seven days comfortably after that. You know, it's no no problem. One of the things now is that, you know, you can put food next to me and it doesn't bother me. If, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. I tell people sometimes it says I ate yesterday, okay. So go in two three days for me, no big no big deal can't eat that much anymore. I have small bowls, small plates, that kind of stuff. But through all of this, right, it was that period when I was doing that fasting and praying and asking the divine that to give me the strength to, to serve his will above everything else. That there was there was a transition there. There was something that happened. You know, and now I feel the comfort of his emissaries. There was something that, and again, there was no hate, and there was compassion. Matter of fact, several times people, you know, I've had people say, "Man, what's wrong with you? Why you just, you know, give give away stuff?" You know, it's like, like someone actually, I gave something to someone, and he actually felt. He said, "I think that's stupid that you just gave up," and I'm like, "Dude, I gave it to you. What's the problem?" You know. But it's one of those things, right? That altruism, um, you it, it grows with you because you start feeling, as a SOTAG, the brotherhood of mankind. And I guess it's also the fact that I've traveled. So, you know, living and studying in London before I, you know, where I started my computer studies, one of the most cosmopolitan cities on the planet, because I remember, you know, people from all over Africa, from Spain, from Portugal, from Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, everywhere they were right there. And these were the students I studied with. It was, it's a wonderful thing. And I see all of this 
as his training. He did not push me out there without being able to work with things like, you know, when, t- when I was doing, trying to get my globally scalable, massively disrupted technologies that I, that I built and working with these angel investors and, and all of that stuff. Being able to, you know, create uh, corporations and work with, with, with venture capitalists and all of that stuff, it opens another world to you. But he said, this is the path because there are so many people who are successful, but the, the spiritual, you know, the, the physical and all of these messages, the messages that I got during this time of fasting that our science reveals God's methods, the key to meeting God's expectation of us is self-control and diversity is his servants he wants honor his diversity but for so many people and that whole thing about you know the, our three components the physical the ultimate achievement of which is power the emotional the ultimate of achievement of which is adulation and affection and the spiritual the ultimate achievement which is service even unto sacrifice and understanding that the true bond between people is that spiritual, when that spiritual component is well developed. Because so many people, the spiritual is underdeveloped. And as well as, unfortunately, because of this sort of thing that religion does now, where it breaks us apart, and people are, some people are just, you know, they're not happy with it, they turn away from it and not realizing that we all exist in the presence of the living God. And there is someone that we can we can nurture that spiritual component. Because we have all three components, we can nurture it to foster great relationships. And most importantly, we don't go to any spiritual organization to basically follow one one spiritual leader. The purpose of that spiritual leader is to bring us into communication and having a relationship with the divine. So there are a lot of people out there who haven't gotten that message. And so they turned away from it and their spiritual component is lacking. And I think if you hear this, if there is a purpose for this. We just have to recognize it. And it's my hope that long after I'm gone, that Millions of people will understand, maybe the billions will understand that we all exist in the presence of the living God. Science and technology are revelations for our benefit from our Creator. And hopefully in time, this science will recognize that there is good, there is, it's kind of like human potential, recognizing there is so much more. And not as I will talk about, you know, the contempt of scientists where if I don't understand it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. And I'll find these alternate reasons, even though I can see, I can feel it. Like so it's so apparent that all around us there is such wisdom in the design. I mean, as a software engineer, we look to nature to say, okay, this is how they do nature does stuff. You know, everything we do, we learn the best we can do is imitate what's out there in nature. So that says that the knowledge there. 
and we, we think that because we're at this point and we don't understand what, what's, what's beyond that. But think about it. Our science is so young. It's so young. And in time, with dedication, dedication to their various disciplines, these things may be revealed in his time to us. So that's part of the thing that I would like to do is to have people understand and, and most importantly, feel Take that time in silence to try to feel, be an open vessel, and, and develop that spiritual component. Because I understand now in the world that it's not that important. Everything is becomes logic, and which you know, it's that's my purview, right? I'm a software engineer. Everything, it's all you know, everything. AI, it's all about if, if the if else, you know, and. If this do, do this, else do this. It's a, that's all it's about. It's very logical, but there is something that we feel. It's where faith comes from. It's where that spiritual component that connects to what's beyond. It's even where science grows because we question what's here. We question what's next. This is why every so often, you know, it makes total sense to me when I see some of the people who started college left. And then became great in doing something, you know, the the, the Bill Gates and, and and you know Elon Musk and all these guys because they you get to a point and you question things so much. You're like, you know what? Hell, I'm just going to go off and do it, right? And that's how we grow. And the these individuals may not be, you know, great religious people, but they are servants because they bring. They by their seeking knowledge, they revelations are made to them for the benefit of all of us. It, it, that knowledge is what moves our societies forward. And so it is my hope that this message and the messages that I put out there and eventually others who are touched by this will continue this work so that people will once again start not just growing the physical emotional component where it's all about you know it's about me and the power and that stuff but that that spiritual component where that we where the real bonds of human human relationships are created and maintained that we start caring about others and building those bonds and eventually once we get into religions recognizing and teaching that we all exist in the presence of the living God. That statement alone, if you think about it, takes away a lot of the hypocrisy that we live with. And once we get to that, I know it may take a while because it's been like 2,000 years of you know what we have now, which isn't bad. This is about love and being better. We learn and we get better. And so once we move towards that, it may take a while. But fortunately, now we have the we, we have the internet. We I'm able to do this podcast, and it is my hope that in your quiet time, you may be touched, and we can all start this change. And eventually, it won't just be me doing this, but others will feel and, and be able to keep this going. I want to thank you for taking. Wow, it's been a while. But thank you for taking, and until God bless. <laughs>